Every week we recite the Nicene Creed. That is, we profess what we believe. And just in a matter of a few minutes, or a little more than a few minutes, we'll do that. And we, you will say that you believe, I will say that I believe that Jesus died, that he rose on the third day, that he ascended into heaven. And then right after that, we'll all say here in a minute that we believe that he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. That's what our gospel is about today. It's a way of an analogy. He describes it. It is described, Jesus describes it as separating the sheep from the goat. The sheep are saved. They go to heaven. The goats are not saved. And they go to hell. So what I want to do today here this morning in this homily, it's, it's going to be a it's a little bit different in the sense that it's, it's going to be a little bit more technical than normal because I want to get to the question on that separation. How do we know that separation or the question of how are we saved or to use the theological term, how are we justified? How are we made right with God? You know, and it's an important question. And I think, you know, there's a, chances are you might have it wrong on what even you're thinking in your mind right now. You know, maybe no one's ever taught you, or maybe you've been taught the wrong thing. Because it's this question is incredibly misunderstood by both Catholics and what non-Catholics think the Catholic Church teaches on how one is justified or how one is saved. Peter Kreeft, a philosopher and theology professor at Boston College, he mentioned how he once asked his university students, he says, he posed it, he said, you know, if you were to die tonight, and when you appeared before God, he asked you the question, why should I let you into heaven? You know, he had them all write down their answer, and he collected all their responses, and looking and examining their, their responses, he said all the responses had one thing in common. They were all wrong. How are we saved? And then secondly, declaring our allegiance. So first, how are we saved? As I mentioned, the gospel is the judgment. Judging the living and the dead, the separation of the sheep and goats. And the sheep did these things. They clothed the naked. They fed the hungry. They, they, they cared for the sick. They visited the imprisoned. They did these things, they, they're put over here. The goats, they didn't do these things. And they're put over here. So we can look at this gospel even and think that I need to do these things to earn a spot, to go to heaven. And that's in line with a lot of comments that I hear made in passing or just maybe forthright of, you know, at funerals or wakes of people talking about their loved one who just passed away or even a friend or uh, talking about the deceased. They'll make comments a lot of times like if they'll say, if anyone deserves to be led into heaven, it's her, right? Everything that she did, like she earned, she's earned a spot. That's wrong, during the Protestant Reformation, the church condemned that as heretical. We cannot earn our salvation. You know, 
I think a reason is commonly misunderstood is you, you often hear it summarized this way, right? What Catholics believe, what Protestants believe, right? And I remember even when I was 19, when I was 19, I was in college and I was wrestling with issue, this issue or just in general with the church. And I had one foot outside the church. I told my parents, you know, I can't be Catholic anymore. I remember, you know, in 19, I Googled the question and I found myself on a Wikipedia page and had a, had a box and it had, you know, what Catholics believe, what Protestants believe. And it's, when, when it's posed and as it's posed of saying, you know, Protestants believe that we are justified, that we're saved by faith alone. Catholics believe we are saved by faith and works. And that summary can make it sound that Catholics believe that our initial justification, us being saved, and that is going from being dead in sin to being alive in Christ, the transfer taking in place, that, that summary can make it sound as though that that transfer takes place through a combination of both faith and works. That's not true. No one can earn grace. No one can earn the initial grace for forgiveness of sins and the justification. You know, there's a lot of places we could we look. This is like a semester class. We've got like 13 minutes. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, he says. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So how are we initially justified? How are we saved? How are we made right with God? By grace you have been saved through faith. That is, through Jesus' death on the cross, his blood is an expiation for our sins. And that's not your own doing. It's not, it is a gift of God. It's not a result of your own works. So use whatever metaphor you want there with regards to what sin does and the consequences of sin, of the great chasm that's left there in between us and God. That there's, it, or, or we're being, we're bent, we're broken, we're in darkness, and there's nothing that we can do to overcome that chasm, or there's nothing we can do to make ourselves unbent, unbroken, to get ourselves out of the darkness. So God sent His Son to die for us to reconcile us to the Father, and that initial justification, that initial salvation, happens at our baptism, right? We baptize babies, which is a further indication that we don't think we can earn our salvation. What does a baby do to earn his or her salvation or initial justification? See, this is the good news of the gospel. This is the good news of the gospel. So does that mean, so can we say that what we do and what we don't do doesn't matter? that works don't matter. Of course not. Of course we can't say that. The Bible says faith without works is dead. James chapter two, a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. So of course as Catholics, we don't believe that, that one is saved by faith alone. What we do and what we don't do matter that we keep the commandments, that we have love. Our gospel today of, uh, in, in Matthew 25, what we do and what we don't do 
matter. We are required to carry out good works. But the good works we do are not a, not a means to earn our salvation because we can't earn our salvation. But the good works is a response to the grace and love of God. You know, I think, I think it's the case that many people deep down, like deep down, we think that salvation is owed to us in some way. It takes in the form of, I think, one of two ways, especially if we're, if we're older or if we're more traditionally minded. We think that maybe God is up there and he's got a scale, right? And sin goes on this end of the scale. When we sin, a drop goes over here, you know, and, and, and if we go to mass, we say our prayers, okay, and then we, we put something on this side. We're nice. We're good. Over here, okay, I sin. There's another one goes over there. Dang it. Um, Or maybe on the more postmodern thought is that, you know, it's not even so much of the good things that we do. We think oh, that we are owed salvation. It takes more, more commonly now, the way it takes is I, I don't do anything really, 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 really bad. Like I'm not Hitler. So like, of course, like I, 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 I'm owed a spot. Because I'm not really, really, really that bad. See, both of these, both of these sides, both linger around a spot that salvation is something that's owed to us. Which brings us to declaring allegiance. You know, this last weekend of the church liturgical year, next weekend we'll enter into Advent and preparing for Christmas. But on this last day, we take a day set aside and declare that Jesus Christ is king of the universe. And that is the church having us pause today. As we come here in the church and we to pause and for us to check to see where our allegiance lies. For us to ask ourselves the question: do I treat Jesus as king? Does my allegiance lie in him? Have I submitted my life to him fully? Have I declared my allegiance to him? Does my life reflect it? Do I treat him as a king? Am I obedient to him and his authority? That is, I do whatever he says, whether I like it or not. I treat him as a king. Do I trust him? Like when crazy things happen in my life, tragedy hits, suffering happens, I don't like it, I don't understand why it happens, but I trust him because he knows best and I treat him as a king. Does my allegiance a lie in him? We believe, and we're going to say here in two minutes, that we believe that Jesus is going to come in glory to judge the living and the dead. That means we believe that sooner or later, every person in this church is going to stand before God and be judged. And if he were to ask you the question, or maybe put another way, if he were to just to smell you, is he going to smell a sheep or a goat? And if he were to ask a question, why should I let you in? Hopefully our answer is something like, Father, your son died for me. I didn't deserve that. 
I was a sinful man on earth. I was a sinful woman on earth. I was bent. I was broken. I was lost. I was in darkness. And I believe that your son died for me on the cross to reconcile me to you. And I was baptized. And when I fell and I sinned after my baptism, I know that his blood that poured from the cross continued to wash me clean when I turned back to him and repented my sin and confessed my sins. And I pledged my allegiance. My allegiance resided in him. He was my king, Christ the king of the universe.